Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. I'm in Atlanta. He's in New Jersey. We broadcast around the world. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. I slept uh, on my vacation about 10 hours a day last week, and I'm so fu- so wired and so full of uh, um, – I could be in trouble here. I'm so full of energy. Energy. That, energy. Yeah, energy. That's a good word. That'll work. So I had something to do with vinegar, but I'll skip skip that. Uh, anyway, uh, I heard you had some snow down in the great state of uh, Alabama. I meant Georgia. <laughs> yes, Georgia got, uh, at least where we are, we got six inches. Fulton County got nine inches. Several got 12 inches. So really? it's like a northern state for a while. Yeah, we got quite a bit of snow. It's still on the ground. Well, my wife and I drove back from uh, Cape Cod to New York. New Jersey is six hour snowstorm. And uh, I told her, I said, I didn't want to drive. I want to watch a movie. And uh, she drove the whole time. And I had to keep pulling my earplug out when she sang Lou, 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 Lou. I said, stop calling me Lou. <laughs> she said, well, that's your name. So anyhow, it was uh, it was a great trip home watching a movie. It, it made it made the time fly by. Anyhow, there's so what's happening in the news and other stuff like that. Yeah, it's really some exciting stuff uh, going on. Uh, uh, It's uh, uh, last week we had um, on our show, we had Tim Fiore, chair of the uh, Institute for Supply Management, uh, to give his uh, November report that was issued here in December. And that number was uh, a little bit down from uh, the October number, but it was at 58.2, which is like, you know, sterling. Uh, Anything over 53 is gold. Uh, We had uh, Chris Keel on, uh, who's the managing director of uh, the National Association of Credit uh, Management and uh, chief economist from FMA. And uh, he's talking about uh, credit, and, and he's our... Um, our humorist for our show, uh, being that you and I aren't funny enough, um, and and he's also you know raving about what's going on in the economy. Uh, Anthony Nieves, who's the uh, managing director, uh, I'm sorry, he is the chair for the Institute Supply Management for Non-Manufacturing, uh, which that that number was 57.4 for November. Also, you know, stunning numbers. Uh, so I, I highly recommend uh, that our listeners uh, either go to ISM to get the complete report, or you can uh, look at our website, mfgtalkradio.com, and uh, we have, uh, oh, it's on the MMO magazine that we put out, the easing we put out. You can get it there. And I believe it's also on our website. It, you know, you'll, you'll have to find it on your own. It's somewhere. Uh, <clears throat> complete report, great information. And we had a, a, a surprise show this week. Uh, the ISM semi-annual 
uh, report. Uh, we put it out yesterday, so we had a show on that uh, breaking breaking news and special report forecast for 2018. And uh, we had uh, Tony, uh, sorry, Anthony, and uh, Tom, uh, Tim, uh, put out that show for us yesterday, talking about the next six months of uh, the beginning of uh, 2018 with a little splash of the whole year of 2018, and it's really, really looking good. I haven't felt so good about business like this since uh, uh, almost the year of the flood, but everything is really going well. Business is up, and uh, looks like people are beginning to spend money, and uh, that's what keeps this this ball game of uh, U.S. economy moving forward. Uh, I would like to mention that uh, uh, we have our global show uh, next week uh, on 1218 uh, with Chung Wang reporting from China, Royce Lowe reporting from the U.K. and France, and uh, Norbert Orr from Strategist with his PMI Global Report, where he reports on 18 nations around the world, and uh Chad Moutre from the National Association of Manufacturers, otherwise known as NAM, uh, also reporting on how the national uh, U.S. manufacturers are doing. Uh, it's always great to have these people on. There's a lot of information, and it gives you a lot of great information on how you should be looking at your your industry and your business and the good things that you need to be doing. I do want to make some special notes uh, that the uh, regarding ISM numbers, some of the local ones, the ISM Chicago report uh, came out uh, this past week also at 63.9, really high, almost an unsustainable number. So that's Chicago and local Midwest. Uh, we also have... Um, Texas, which has come back uh, a bit uh, to 55.3, and anything over 53 is showing strong and uh, uh, strong gains. So that's that's looking pretty good. Um, as far as uh, uh, any other areas within the country, I'm looking here. Canada's picked up to uh, 54.4, and um, Read the rest of the report yourself. There's a lot of good information uh, that could directly affect your industry and your business. A couple of news items. Uh, This week they came out with the the jobs report, and uh, they were really glowing. Uh, uh, Non-payroll jobs increased to 228,000. And manufacturing, an additional 31,000, which is very strong. Uh, We've had uh, good strength in manufacturing. The only month that we really didn't have a good uh, showing was May, July, and uh, September. And the September one probably had more to do with hurricanes than the economy. But all in all, there are a lot of people working. There's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of jobs and not a lot of people. You know, we're talking about that old skill gap issue. 
And uh, within the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about skill gaps and uh, what local states and counties are trying to do about uh, employee, potential employee training. So be on the lookout for that. Going uh, going forward, uh, just to give you a couple of heads up on particular companies, Brandt Group acquired a uh, Chicago area manufacturing uh, facility, a uh, 200,000 uh, square foot building. Uh, they're taking over uh, a agricultural equipment manufacturer company for uh, American corn and soybean markets. Uh, that will be producing 300 jobs. Um, that's, uh, that's always good to hear. Um, the, the job market that I was just talking about, um, if I'm not mistaken, we are now at the l- lowest job, um, the lowest job n- number of 4.1 in the last 17 years. So it indicates that, uh, we're strong, we're healthy, we're growing, and we don't have enough people. So when you hear about bringing jobs back to this country, I don't know who's going to fill those jobs. So maybe we're better off leaving them where they are. Most of those jobs are jobs that Americans didn't want to do in the first place. Um, again, about the uh, skill gap, that's going to become the big issue for uh, 2018. If the economy keeps growing the way it seems that it is, the worker shortage is going to grow. And this is going to be a very big topic for 2018. And you could be assured that you're going to hear a lot about it from mfgtalkradio.com. We're going to be talking a lot about it. So all that said, uh, Tim, why don't you tell us about what we're doing today, aside from listening to me? Many of you have heard of John Lennon. You might not have heard of Wilde and Weinberg, the law firm that defended him in his case against the U.S. government. We have coming up Michael Wilde, who is a terrific lawyer working in the immigration field. He has a real passion for fixing a broken immigration system. Lou, I look forward to this conversation with Michael. This is going to be terrific. Uh, it's a, it, it's going to be a great show. He's a very passionate uh, and emotional guy about his topic. He's, his firm has been doing this for three generations on immigration, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be stupendous. Uh, and now let's get let's get with Michael Wild. Welcome everyone to this segment of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're here with Michael Wild. He is a uh, managing partner with the law firm. Wilds and Weinberg. That's a leading immigration law firm. He's also an adjunct professor with the Benjamin N. Cardoza School of Law in New York and teaches business immigration law. His boutique firm specializes exclusively in the practice of U.S. immigration and nationality law. He represents many performing artists, directors, writers, models, actors, actresses, athletes, race car drivers, uh, fine arts, art dealers, curators, and literary agents. Michael, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jim. And let's not forget that you were a former federal prosecutor with the United States uh, Attorney's Office. Thank you. Is, Thank uh, you. It's a uh, great experience for me and my family. And uh, wow, immigration is a big, a big talking point in our nation's uh, dialogue. 
Uh, that's for sure. So why don't you, uh, why don't we get right into it? We're looking to talk about immigration and DACA and uh, immigration, how it relates to manufacturing. And you, you seem to be the man to talk about it. So uh, give us both guns. Happy to. I mean, bottom line to you and your listeners, if the Trump administration is able to implement its wide-ranging immigration reforms, it will certainly have a significant impact on the economy of the United States and it will hurt many industries harder than others. And it's going to have a monumental effect on the manufacturing uh, industry, which particularly relies on uh, hands on deck, as it were, whether it's pulling from uh, blueberries and farms or getting equipment in place and just getting things done. Um, this beautiful experiment in democracy, America's golden doors, have been held open and built on the backs of immigrants, and it will have a, a repeated and a market effect and a change of character if we don't get this right. And it doesn't seem as though we're going down that right path anymore in view of what's been going on over the last several months. The dialogue uh, has deteriorated exponentially uh, in Washington. Um, when President Reagan was president, we had about 3 million people here unlawfully. There's well over 11 million undocumented individuals in the United States, and an estimated 7 million are in the workforce. And although undocumented individuals account only for 5% of the total U.S. workforce, they form the core of several industries in the United States, and it's critical that we get this right. So what are you suggesting, uh, Michael, in terms of the undocumented uh, workers who are here law-abiding, paying taxes, filling jobs, and not com complaining and bitching? Well, imagine this. President Reagan, a Republican to the right, imagined that it was unacceptable to have people living in shadows. And he gave 3 million people at the time full green cards. They didn't trust it. They had to set up work authorization units outside of the federal buildings because immigrants thought they were going to be uh, crowded up and then deported. And eventually he gave them a green card without any kind of tests that they had to go through. The industries that relied most heavily on undocumented individuals, agriculture, construction, leisure, hospitality, and manufacturing are going to have an exponential effect if, if they don't cure this. So how do you cure a broken system? We see the scores of visas and solutions that they've come into place are effectively placing a Band-Aid on a Band-Aid. I'm a trained DMT for many years in my private time, and they train us in the field. You put a gauze on something that's bleeding through and put another gauze on that. Never remove it because you're going to cause more harm. But the truth is we're taking people to the hospital to cure things and fix things. And every time the government comes out with a visa, they go through contortions. They give a certain amount to Chile, to Singapore. We have a certain carbon out for Australians. We allow the political dialogue to invade Homeland Security and our golden entrepreneurial uh, tool in our box, which is immigration, rather than getting this right. And we have a broken system where if they put bandage upon bandage, it still won't get it right. There are certain industries that are not uh, heated properly outside of the industrial uh, world, I'll give you an example. The H-1B3, which is a fashion model visa, is not available during Fashion Week. 
So a lot of the couturers and fashion houses have decided <laughs> to take their business elsewhere. And it's so important in the manufacturing industry where people historically have looked to America as a standard bearer in building and making things to make sure that we get this properly. And we do want to have a nation of legal immigrants, but we have to reckon with the notion that if you build a wall, you're going to have 11 million plus people without the right authority within our confines. And President Obama, who was known as the deporter-in-chief, who allowed more people to be deported than any president prior in our history, is now being followed by another president that is paying back on campaign promises, scaring the hell out of people, making them feel that foreigners are part of a, a poor society and are, are draining us, when in fact that's not the reality. Approximately 500,000 uh, people are employed in the manufacturing industry as of 2016. Those 500,000 souls, individuals, those 1 million hands on deck are needed in order to get things made and done. So in other words, if they wind up deporting 500,000 people out of manufacturing, that means the 700,000 plus the 500 will be at a million point two and all the all the uh, talking heads in Washington will be saying, we're going to bring jobs back. We're going to bring them back. It's a myth. Yeah, it's a myth. I mean, we have the world's smartest students getting student visas and paying tuition into institutions here, and then we don't give them a proper way to onboard into the workforce so that we can compete against them in the next generation. We're effectively shooting ourselves in our foot. The deportation or removal of these individuals – would immediately reduce the U.S.'s GDP by 1.4%, and over 10 years by 26.6%, or $4.7 billion, excuse me, trillion dollars. So it doesn't make sense for us to take a workforce who don't have accents, by the way. If you look at DACA, the, the, the Dreamers, these are young souls, about 900,000-plus people, that were brought to America by no act of their own, by an act of God and their parents. They don't have an allegiance to another country. They don't have accents. They pray, who cares, on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Many of them are Marines or police officers, and they're law students, and we're going to not give them a pass into the system? It doesn't make sense. Solution, Michael. We need to invest in resource. We need to understand that our elected officials in Washington – who cannot competently talk about homeland security and immigration reform should be replaced. If they're just feeling that they're not going to get reelected every two years because they look like they're weak in homeland while they're strong in immigration, then they have to educate their constituents. The hardest hit industries like agriculture, construction, leisure, hospitality could lose between 10 to 18% of its workforce. And the truth is we don't have enough beds, handcuffs, detention centers, and we're not going to FedEx these individuals out of America. People who are now on orders of supervision who are cooperating with immigration are finding themselves being removed by strong-arming coming from Washington just to return campaign promises. The largest decline in the GDP would occur in the largest industries, not necessarily those that are immigrant-heavy. So we're going to feel this in ways that are going to drive the cost of products up and is not going to make America great the way our president espouses. Michael, I'm just curious. Uh, you know, over the years, uh, look, 100, 150 years ago, many parts of New York City were filled with immigrants who simply showed up at Ellis Island with some kind of identification and were allowed in the country. 
Right. What changed? Why has it become so draconian to come into America? The pendulum swings, and I teach at the Benjamin Cardoza School of Law. My father taught there for 33 years. I'm teaching the class now. I met my wife in this class, and two of my four kids are in my class. So it's, uh, you can say immigration and academics of immigration is in our DNA. Uh, you know, the pendulum has swung, gentlemen, from the point where we need – those huddled masses and w that would work with this exuberance and extraordinary work ethic to where we're now fearful for our own interests. And we see this historically as our country built its railroads in the 1800s with the Chinese Exclusion Acts. After it was good enough for us to have the Chinese build from the east to the west coast, they then became competitors to Americans because there was an abundance of them on U.S. soil. And as a result, we are facing the same challenges. It's heightened now because of social media, because of uh, the, the xenophobia, and because some of the news networks are out there scaring the hell out of everybody, the one or two people that are exception to the rule that kill people and, they, and abuse the system, makes it look easy prey for people that aren't as sophisticated to understand the nuance of these issues. The financial services, manufacturing, wholesale, retail trade would lose the most. $54.3 billion in that industry, and the $73.8 billion and 64.9 that loss in the GDP, respectively, will occur over time if we don't get this right. There are certain states in our union which would be harmed more than others, California, Texas, New York, and New Jersey. So it's important for us to understand that our founding fathers fought terrorists. There were pirates on the high seas, and they didn't lose their exuberance. And we, and we elected people always to positions of trust who were foreign nationals. Foreign nationals become American citizens. They employ American citizens, and they're the best people for us to be investing in. And that entrepreneurial spirit, despite the kind of challenges we have either in the high seas or in our airplanes or airports, have to be met with exuberance and strength. But we can't lose the content of our character, and we can't lose the content of what is America's greatness and that is our diversity, the nuance, and those hands on deck that we so need. Michael, that's spoken like a true patriot, uh, and uh, I, I recognize, uh, Tim and I both recognize the issues as you laid them out. Uh, we're seeing it. We've been doing manufacturing talk radio now for four years, so we've gotten quite an education into what's really going on here in this country on many, many topics, including immigration. And what we're beginning to realize uh, more than anything is that forgetting about mainstream media not playing this up, which they don't, but it's not being played up appropriately in our government. And unfortunately, our government is typically uh, most interested in the next election and not so much the topics that make this country great, to use right. Mr. Mr. Trump's phrase. It's a shame. You know, and for years I represented, and I still represent, um, many of the Trump uh, family and business interests. For Miss Universe, when the president owned it, we did visas and Trump models and for family members and so forth. So I know that they appreciate the stock and value of foreign nationals. 
his wife is one of the most elegant and most hospitable people I've ever met. And I know that they appreciate this. And the tone that's being struck is one that's out of character, even for their own uh, business and household. And I believe America at some point will allow this president, who's not a politician by trade, to act with the business sense of what America's interests are best served and how to serve those. But we have to understand that we can't afford to make mistakes in this arena. Not only is our homeland at risk if we don't get this right, you build a wall and you've now boxed in terrorist cells and 11 million plus people without the right authority, uh, but that we will then pale in contrast to those that we compete if we send the brightest out of America and we don't onboard them properly. If you look at Google and Yahoo and Intel and, and the biggest manufacturing and technology space, there are patents that are built by foreign nationals and never meant anything to me when a client is waiting my uh, waiting room, what country they came from, if they were willing to roll up their sleeves and help contribute to society. And that is something we have to appreciate. And yes, when we help those huddled masses, and in the less sophisticated manufacturing corridors of our nation, when we allow people to immigrate in order to be with their family members, that motivates a worker so much more strenuously where they can work for a family and they're not separated because of uh, draconian rules and, and quotas that are backlogged. We want everybody to have the same dignity that Dr. King, the same excellence. He turned to us once, Dr. King, and said to us, if you're a street sweeper, sweep the street like Rembrandt with the same sense of propriety and excellence. And that is America's immigration legacy, and we have to step up into that every generation. So, Michael, I'm going to throw it back in your lap again. How do we fix this? What do we have to do? Uh, take the, the, take a, a pencil, knowing that we make mistakes, use that eraser, and and roll up the sleeves and really fix this thing properly so that we do build walls and keep bad people out, but we build bridges and we have a fast track for heroes that would open America's golden doors quickly so that they do right by us in the war on terrorism. We need to have smart human asset intelligence and our foreign assets have to, we have to understand that we, there is no substitute for that as we fight multiple theaters in different parts of the world. And on the home front, we need to make sure that employers have all the tools, that we don't take the biblical straw away that the pharaohs did in the Bible from employers and now make it their job to police immigration with these ridiculous I-9s. America's employers are being punished for not doing a good enough job for the government in policing immigration. That was good in President Reagan's era. There's a new normal now. People are working remotely. People have access to function differently, and we need to confront that and make sure that our immigration tools are sharpened and up to speed. So, you know, there are a lot of us that understand the challenge of our homeland and the entrepreneurial economic vitality that immigration uh, gives. We hope our elected officials in Washington will appreciate that, too. Well, is there any any major movement going at the government about this topic? There are, are there? and there's legislation that's always being uh, put forward. But I would just urge your listening audience to make sure that their own elected members of Congress and senators speak competently on this and don't scare the hell out of people, that they're doing something positive and not just negative. 
because for every day that we don't do something here, we're we're hurting Americans and we're hurting America too. Well, you know that the politicians' main goal right now has been, you know, we have to get rid of the immigrants because they're going to take your jobs. And that's been the drumbeat that they've been beating. So they're looking to protect their constituents by the fact is that they don't want them to lose their jobs, which may or may not very be true. Difficult. Yeah, very difficult. You know, we have finally a non-politician in the White House and an opportunity to have somebody think out of the box. But he got elected by scaring the hell out of people and by people thinking that he's going <laughs> to rid us of all those foreigners. So I think it's critical that we come up with some hybrid uh, control and check and balance on how we are going to lead in this arena. The president prides himself in trying to create a merit-based system. Australia has one, Canada has one, and there are merry, there are very significant merit-based visas in the political system that we have. We have the O visa for people who are outstanding in certain fields and so forth. So we need to create ways to allow the manufacturing industry uh, to have easier tools so that they can move in talent quickly and then they can help us with trade agreements and otherwise make sure that product is manufactured and sold internationally. Immigration is pivotal, and those senators and congressmen that are doing something should be lauded. Those that are sitting by getting elected every two years and scaring the hell out of everybody while they go on Fox News ought to be ashamed of themselves. Well said, well said. Uh, there are many organizations, uh, NAM for uh, being one of them, the National Association of Manufacturers. Uh, we're fairly close to them, and we, uh, we're involved with them in certain uh, topics and issues. And frankly, we have not spoken to them about their immigration uh, policy and advocacy. Uh, would you happen to know uh, what their role is in uh, no, this No, unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not familiar with yeah. that group. But I would urge everybody to support any group that gets this uh, properly. And, again, I'm urging anybody who has anything where we could be of service or if there's an organization that we can um, communicate or support to be in touch with us and check us out on our website, which is wildslaw.com. That's my last name, W-I-L-D-E-S-L-A-W, wildslaw.com. And we're happy to participate and lead the, lead the direction if needed. I'd like to pass on your name uh, to some people that we know, uh, and uh, I'll let you know if we do make some contact for you uh, that they may be reaching out to you. Wonderful. Michael, I just want to uh, talk about one thing that Bush 43 brought up. I don't know where it stands today. Obviously, we're not going to go out and deport 11 million people, it, it's not possible, it's stupid to even uh, talk about because it's never going to happen. What's happened to the path to citizenship? I mean, we're not talking about 11 million evil criminals in the country. So what, what do we do? There is no path right now that's been designed. These people are being forced to live under the uh, shadows that many of them have IRS tax ID numbers where they're paying in under numbers and they never get the credit and they exponentially um, send more to Washington and the state treasuries than they take. Mayors throughout the United States have created sanctuary cities and have created identification cards to give people the very dignity of being able to work in open bank accounts. 
with the theory that if the National Guard and the Federal Army aren't going to remove these individuals, we want to make sure there's an educated constituency, that they have driver's licenses and that they're insured properly and so forth. So we see a tug of war between the federal government and draconian leaders in Washington from our attorney general that would want to take away uh, resource from local cities unless they cooperate in disbanding uh, foreigners to the local communities that thrive. You can't pick blueberries in Georgia and make beds in our hospitality quarters without um, the robust entrepreneurial spirit of the immigrant community. And there is no system or contemplation of a system right now that would onboard these souls into this into the system. Imagine President Reagan would be disappointed to know that the number that he tried to diminish from 3 million is now up to 11 million. And this is really the fault of our presidents and our, our elected officials in Washington that allowed the dialogue to deteriorate, that allowed uh, xenophobia and the, ch the challenges that we had in the international war and terrorism to affect our sense of propriety with immigration. I came back from a 48-hour uh, trip to Paris for a client of mine, and I see the effect that immigration has had in Brexit and the anti-Semitism and the negative aspects where it was unfettered immigration in parts of the world. And I see here, protected by oceans of water, how we've allowed ourselves to have a problem fester and, and rot itself into oblivion, and it's unacceptable. And there has to be a middle compromise. And we have to recognize that that which divides us makes us stronger. And the diversity that we are known for is something to embrace when you have somebody who is more dexterous or who's faster or sharper or can do something. That's not a competitiveness. That will make America great in its reality. And that's something that our elected officials need to harness. And the question is, how are we going to do it with the system that we have in place? Right now, there is no rock star that's going to come and take out our current president. Uh, and his prospects for re-election are significant, and his dialogue and immigration will deteriorate if it isn't encouraged. Um, as I believe the president has the capacity from a business metric to change. So I'm prayerful that we will have elected officials in Washington, and as a proud Democrat, that people will step into the void. And I admire in many ways the, the uh, opportunity that Congress has now with DACA, if only to allow 900,000 souls the comfort of living here. Again, they don't have any accent. They can't be returned any place. This is an opportunity. The president said, President Obama, you had the authority to do it. I'm undoing it, and I give Congress six months. Well, what's Congress doing with it this six months? Are they effectively able to fix a broken system? And will the president step up in the, at the conclusion of the six months and do what's right here? We're, we're depending on politicians. We're depending on people that are catering to interests that are so parochial and sadly very dangerous to fix our problems when it's really a government by the people and for the people. And America should really be disappointed that its elected officials have allowed this to deteriorate this far. And God help us with that idea, having our politicians work for the people. Here's, here's four numbers for you. Right now, we have 10,000 people a day retiring, the baby boomers. We have coming into the work pool about four or 5,000 people coming into the work pool. 
So we're now running at a deficit of about 6,000 people a day. Well, we have seven, we have 700,000 people that we need job that we have jobs. We don't have people in manufacturing. If we don't fix that in 10 years, it's going to be three and a half million manufacturing people that we will need unless we find a way, whether it's immigration, whether it's, uh, redoing our prison system and, and uh, retraining of our prisoners, bringing women into manufacturing to a greater degree than we have, we are going to be in deep due for it within mm-hmm. the next 10 years. I think all of those ideas um, have value. And as people work and we reconstitute ourselves every generation into a new normal, it's so important for us to look at not just the value of minorities and those that have historically not been part of the workforce, but that we use immigration um, as a wise tool. Um, There is a deficiency in the workforce, and America's distinction has always been what we've built with our hands and sold elsewhere, and your industry will be affected by this deafening silence in Washington more than most. Absolutely. I'd like you to repeat your website address for our audience, if you would. Happy to. It's uh, wildlaw.com. That's W-I-L-D-E-S-L-A-W.com. I'm a second-generation immigration lawyer. My father actually is credited with having represented John Lennon from the Beatles, where the whole prosecutorial discretion, the precursor to uh, DACA was discovered in some very fancy footwork that Dad and John handled in the 70s. Um, we're located in Midtown Manhattan with offices through na- the nation, and all we practice is U.S. immigration law. And we have seen some of the finest and most entrepreneurial souls into U.S. citizenship, and now they employ scores of others in their building and making America great in the spirit that all presidents would want to accomplish. It's with that uh, journey that I thank you both for hosting me, and I hope to be of use in the future, particularly in the corridor of industry that you speak toward. Well, I would like to make sure that you keep us on your rotary card list, that when you have some new and uh, more fascinating and perhaps some progress in the immigration issues, to kindly give us a call. Uh, We'd be happy to have you on and talk further about this. If there's any uh, comment, if there's any comment that you'd like to add as a as a wrap up, uh, please uh, avail yourself. Just you know, Lady Liberty is but a few nautical miles away from my office. As a reminder, that we all are children of immigrants. Unless we're Native Americans, somehow we've either connected to or held from an immigrant. And really, the greatest and the strongest and the most entrepreneurial spirit that our founding fathers harnessed is still available to us. And whether you're going on a cruise ship or you're buying something or you have something that's made in America, you have to appreciate that somebody along the way was an immigrant. I have a beautiful tie that's framed in my office that was manufactured in Long Island, New York, by immigrants that were here illegally. And it was a tie that a former attorney general gave out to the entire Justice Department when he left office. And I have a personal (laughs) note from that attorney general framed within the tie as a constant reminder to me 
that the very man that tried to scare the hell out of foreigners was brazenly happy to give out ties manufactured by them. So let's not forget that uh, what really divides us is just a lot of speech and rhetoric, and what we really need to do is get this right for our children. Well said, Michael. I, I, I want to thank you for being on the show, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have you on again. Again, if there's anything that comes up, uh, please uh, contact us, and we'd be happy to help in doing what we can to further the message. Thank you much. Bless you and and to your listenership as well. Take care. Well, I told you it was going to be a great show. Uh, Mike is uh, very passionate, almost emotional about what he does, and... uh, I only give him the greatest credit for what he's doing and what he has uh, been involved in with uh, DACA and uh, all the rest of the uh, immigration uh, broken system that it is. Uh, So I thank Mike for his participation on our show. Uh, Next week, I just want to remind you again that we have the global show. Uh, We have Chung Wang, Roy Slow, Norbert Orr, Chad Moutre, who are our standard uh, information bearers about what's going on in the economy around the world, which, by the way, is now rated at global expansion is at 3.1, which is really incredibly strong. Um, That said, uh, I also want to mention about our new show, uh, WAM, uh, Women and Manufacturing. Uh, Wham is on Manufacturing Talk Radio, mfgtalkradio.com, soon to be broken away and have its own website. So it'll be easier to find, number one, and uh, you might want to listen to uh, Wham uh, tomorrow uh, with Karen Norheim of American Crane in Pennsylvania. Uh, Karen's been on our show before. We've met her many times at uh, events and functions. Uh, She is uh, second generation. I believe, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I believe she is vice president of the company. Uh, Real smart gal, and uh, you'll really enjoy that show. Um, Other than that, I wish you all a... uh, Good week, and uh, Tim, I throw it back to you. Lou, it's, uh, it was a great show with Michael. I really, really enjoyed his passion. So uh, I hope people listen to this uh, several times at mfgtalkradio.com, where we have all of our shows. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We are constantly putting up news stories and social media information, so stay tuned for more of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.